What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Ah, oh, man, it's been a. I don't know. I don't know what motivated that. Ah, oh, man, but just felt like saying it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the truth is it's been a. We've been watching the news and everything, and it's been a. For for the first time in a while, it hasn't been as gangbusters, uh, you know, news cycle as as previous weeks. Uh. Yeah, right. Maybe that's the reason. Yeah, like even finding a topic for today. I mean, there are topics that we would like to talk about. For mm-hmm. example, one of our dear listeners told us about the Meghan and Harry interview with Oprah. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. but I think before we we comment on it, we want to watch the whole thing. Like. Yeah, that's right. I think I think it's. Even just for ourselves, we just want to we we watch the crown and everything. We also want to watch the full thing before we talk about it, lah. Uh, it's yeah. gonna be a bit premature. And now feels like if you consume what mainstream media is talking about it from like the UK, the US, you're gonna get very different sides. I know Piers Morgan is apparently getting uh a lot of backlash for the way he commented uh on the interview or the way he spoke about Megan. Mm. Uh. So so yeah so I mean I think the best is we can just watch it lah mm. find some way to watch it yeah. uh, I'm sure some of our listeners have watched it uh, I think I I like what what makes you want what want to watch it eh? the, I mean there's just something about hearing it from the horse's mouth as opposed to reading about it and all um, so you know back in the day like you especially during the whole Charles and Diana thing I remember a little bit when I was younger and all. You know, everything you know about them is through the media. Uh, and only in mm. like much later years when, you know, they released the biographies or go had interviews on it. Then you really find out like the depth of their misery in the royal family and stuff like that. Law. And then now it's mm. dramatized even more with shows, with, like awesome shows like The Crowns. So, I mean, mm. f- for me now, with the with all that context, and everything, I just want to watch them and look them I mean so called look in look them in the eye like you know via via Oprah Winfrey and just sort of assess you know is it is it really as bad as it sounds like you know because cause it sounds terrible but, it's an explosive gonna, interview you know but you're not going to get uh, the equivalent with Queen Elizabeth or Kate Middleton or something right? so how will you how will you ever form a judgment of it it's always going to be a he says she says thing no 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 I mean as in uh, we we I think generally we know a lot of the context, everything. The fact that someone from the royal family is stepping forward and claiming mm. to be very open about it is probably a very big first, lah, right? It's a bit mm-hmm. like when Diana was interviewed for the first time as well and talking about the the affair that Charles had and all and how it affected her. It was a quite explosive moment. Lah. So this one is, you know, especially in light of everything we're watching on The Crown and all. It's, it's I mean, anyone who watches The Crown, I think you'll be interested in this, lah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, it, it just feels like, uh, I mean, I don't know, like for me, I think I've never been like enamored with, with the royal family and all. The crown is interesting, but it's a good drama. Like. I remember when Kate Middleton and uh, what's her husband's name? Uh, William. William. Yeah, yeah, got married and there was a whole royal, oh wait, which was a wedding that was broadcast like fucking millions of people watched. Was it, it was Megan. Like. Oh yeah, Meghan the recent one was Harry and Megan. Yeah. Just a couple of years. Yeah, back. I mean, I've, uh, I mean, I guess there's a spectacle of it. Yeah. For me, it's almost like, how is this still a big part of like, uh, life in 2020, 2020 or twenty nineteen? Like? Mm. So that is my motivation. Like, it just sounds like a TV show in real life, mm. and yeah, it's just it's just drama. Like, it's like it's like Singapore social, except this is UK social, but with royal people. Like. Exactly. I mean, even the concept of royal people. What is a royal? Yeah, like what the fucks? Yeah, I mean, everything royal you, people. I mean, maybe because you are, yeah, you've been trained in and born and bred in Singapore, where you believe hundred percent in meritocracy. That's why to you, yeah, of monarchy, course. the monarchy and being born blue blooded yeah. is all nonsense. Uh. Yeah, because because if you work hard, you know, if you put in your time, you will be successful. Yeah, and no one will ever take that away from you. Yeah, correct. I wonder if. I wonder if there was a bit of, enough of a sarcastic twang there, uh, in case people actually believe that. I wholeheartedly believe in that statement. No, but it's very relevant to our topic later that we're talking about, right? Mm, uh, correct. But before that, which uh, yeah, before that we haven't we haven't done like a proper plug for this podcast in a while. For a while, yeah. for a while. Can you do the honors, please? Sure. So we've this is episode one hundred and thirty something, mm. uh, and if any one of those episodes 
have ever made you smile, laugh, think, or at least feel something, uh, it would be great if you could share it with at least one person. Mm. Ideally, someone who hasn't listened to the podcast before uh, because it always warms our heart to to hear from new listeners uh, about them realizing, oh shit, this podcast actually exists in Singapore. How could they have missed on, missed it out? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's always nice. And also, like I just realized a few weeks ago that I mean, Spotify has their their own own followers thing, you know. So I think like it's almost like the YouTube equivalent of subscribers, like, The Spotify equivalent of YouTube subscribers. Mm. So if you guys, I mean, maybe just follow our show so it automatically appears in your list of downloaded episodes to listen to, <clears throat> and. I guess, yeah. And leave a review because, oh, shit, we haven't mentioned our new website, right? The yalabad.com. Ooh, yalabad.com. Oh, shit. That was the worst intro yeah. of a website ever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pretending damn. to be surprised. I am surprised because I also, I also forgot about it. Just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, I mean, we are trying, uh, I mean, we launched the Yalabad web, uh, website just for a, a more nicer home for every episode. It auto-updates and it pulls up reviews from Apple. And there's a lot more that we can do with that platform uh, with merch and all, which we are working on in the background. Mm. So just check it out, yalabad.com. Mm. And the cool thing is any review that anybody leaves on the Apple, iTunes, whatever stuff, gets pulled up onto the onto the website. Yep, yep. So how dope is that? Cool. All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right. And on to the first cool, topic. Cool, cool, cool. On to the first topic. Which is something you mentioned that it had something to do with meritocracy, yeah. And working hard and and attaining what you believe in, la. In 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 what field, Terence? In exactly, it's on a football field. Oh <laughs> I didn't even intend for that pun. Yeah, pun intended. Goddamn, that was good. Because yeah. it was announced mm. that there is now a new national project for football to encourage youth to train and go professional in football. And and this specifically um has been launched I mean it's being launched by the government. Uh it's a whole national project where they'll create opportunities for young Singaporeans to train and potenti- potentially go professional, said Minister for Culture, Community and Youth, Mr. Edwin Tong on Monday. And uh, mm. I think his quote is very important. Um he says football is a sport with mass appeal. It is the most participated team sport in Singapore, bringing together Singaporeans from all walks of life. A national team that can perform at the highest levels affirms Singapore's multiple pathways of success and a source of national pride. So this is why uh, we were saying earlier about you know if you work hard and believe in uh, believe in yourself and, and you know and and just work hard towards your goal, you can also be successful in Singapore if you want to be become the next Zlatan Ibrahimovic or uh, what's another good I mean Messi or Ronaldo I guess. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. Messi don't count la. Messi not fair la. yeah Messi he's is Ronaldo, Ronaldo. Yeah, one in a generation yeah. don't need to work hard on that yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but he also goes on to say our football is not quite where we would like it to be we can do more we can do better to bring back the Kalang Raw and give our young lions every opportunity to pursue their dreams and uh, mm. yeah, they, 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 I mean I think they said they will announce more of the program in phases um, but yeah. it includes you know establishing a standardized national football curriculum for any time that football is being played as a CCA in primary schools. And then uh, um, I think it will oh, there's also that part where, you know, uh, inclusive vision to involve girls as MCCY wants more women to play football as well. And then they'll increase the number of qualified football coaches in school. Um and uh, yeah, basically, they just just they want a nationwide adoption of a revised, standardized curriculum to raise the standards of footballers. Uh. And then certain secondary mm. schools will have football academies with enhanced coaching support. And the Football Association of Singapore, the FAS, will organize an elite youth league in addition to the current school games to provide more opportunities for youths of different ability levels to compete in. Then talented students outside of these academies will be scouted for for active SG Football Academy development centers. Um, mm, and mm. of course, the big elephant in the room is, is national service, which was also addressed. Um, mm. where the FAS will look at um, providing opportunities for these young footballers to you know uh, play overseas and also support their academic development and also uh, su- uh, support them with options like early enlistment minus leave and time off in case they need to train 
play and train at top levels while doing national service. What, do you have a tab open? I feel you have a few tabs open, man. No, no, I'm just... That was the most all-souls you have ever said. I'm just uh, going through an article. I think this uh, this article <laughs> okay, is well written. It's a Today article. You know, it's a Channel News Asia uh, article by Cindy uh, Cole. I feel, I feel it's pretty well laid out, like, you know. One, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not written like crap, like, yeah. I see, I see. I thought, I mean, at first I thought, you're, shit, are you remembering all this no, no, without no, no. your 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 computer in front of you? But before before all that, like, I mean, I mean, all this after all that. So, how does that make you feel? Because you were once an elite footballing uh, talent in your secondary school. Actually, uh, not footballing, hockey, hockey. No, but you play football also, right? Yeah, but I wouldn't say I was elite football. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, football was okay, like, like, you know, play recreational and I was still okay, but... No, I thought you were in the, but the school hockey, team or something. I was pretty good. I mean, school team is not elite, lah. Oh, okay. Oh, you're oh, the reserves, lah. You never play sports. No, never, you never play sports. Never, never play, never play. That's why I, I, that's no, why it, I get bullied. By like I was, sports I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was part of the school team, the first eleven. Uh, but elite is when you are playing for combined schools or the national age group team, lah. Okay, lah. School team's not bad, really, lah. School team. Yeah, but that's not elite, lah. Elite within the school, lah. Right. You live within the school, lah, but then you don't want to be so navel gazing, right? Okay, okay. Maybe you're you're elite within your class class or something, lah. But but uh, for hockey, I had a a little more success there, lah. Okay, okay. But how do you feel about all these all these measures being announced for football players? Uh, uh I mean, I think I think actually generally, I thought it was a step in a. Okay, so I'm a little conflicted because I think generally it's a step in the right direction that the mm. infrastructure and the ecosystem is being built up. Um, but this is also along the lines of what we were talking about in the previous podcast about the arts university, right? Mm. Um, like, uh, when it goes down to, like, that standardized curriculum, I'm like, Ugh, hey, fuck, <laughs> people want to play football to to play football. Like, mm. of course, the standardized curriculum and all is, is good for any craft or any skill, mm. but... If you want to facilitate fucking good football players, you need to get people playing. And when I hear got national curriculum, I'm like, wow, about primary schools? Are you mm. fucking kidding me? <laughs> sounds like sounds like more standardized tests, more checklists. Yeah. More like teachers like trying to you yeah. know fit more no, people, people to pass and all that. More people KPIs. People skip school to go play football. Yeah. Now what? You want them to skip football to go back to school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but everything else, I think the structure, okay, because where I think my experience might be a bit uh, relevant and granted, this was like 15, 15 years ago is, so I played uh, hockey for school. Then I yeah, I was lucky enough to be selected for combined schools for the national age group team, trained with the national uh, boys and men's team. And for hockey, the infrastructure of the Singapore Hockey Federation was always not the best. Mm. Like. Um, and that was the the biggest eye-opening thing because I think Singapore's success in sports, it's not really due to lack of talent. It is due to lack of the system that supports it. Mm. Um, and back then, like when you're in, uh, you're training like twice a day for competitions and all of them, when army comes, that puts a huge like fucking spanner in the works. So I think the stuff that they're talking about here to enhance the infrastructure, like the football academies, the elite youth league, the more high the coaches and accreditation accreditation of that is all good lah because it just makes football feel like a more legitimate path for any young student to to take on lah. Um, and a lot of this like I mean I'm sure everyone knows people who've been talented in one area not just sports in something but because of the peer or social pressures they don't pursue it lah. Mm. And I think anything that helps legitimize one of these crafts or skills. Uh, is always a good thing. So when they talk about yeah the training support the this and almost putting like a science to it, I think it's great. The only thing was the fucking curriculum mm-hmm. well, for primary school. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if if everyone um, will remember this lah. If if you are conscious around the time of 1998 during the fever of the World Cup 98, where I think France won the World Cup, right? And then I think a mm-hmm. lot of uh, a lot of smaller uh smaller countries or even like first timer Asian countries like I think South Korea or that put up put up pretty good showing at the World Cup. Uh there was this little announcement of a plan for Singapore football to go to the next level called Goal mm. Goal two thousand and ten. 
where it was oh literally spelled out by Mr. Ma Bao Tan, <laughs> who, uh, who I think then was was uh, the minister in charge of sports and all that. Uh, mm, that mm. Um, they wanted they wanted to set the goal for Singapore to make the World Cup by 2010. And um, mm. as a kid, I was I was like, whoa, that's pretty exciting, everything. Um, but a lot of people were skeptical um, that, you know, in a short sp- span of 12 years, it could be achieved. Um, and then as a kid, you know, 12 years seems like a donkey long time. La, but <laughs> in actuality, 12 years to, to change a culture, a whole culture, I mean, it takes a whole generation at least, la, right? So, so, mm. so. Um, yeah, 2010 came and went. Singapore came nowhere near to the World Cup. And here we are again, trying to motivate ourselves to become better at football. But having set uh, less lofty goals, like we never mentioned anything about World Cup inside inside this press hey, release. God, but, but not in this, but it has been re- it has been mentioned in Parliament uh, recently. Right? About what? You never heard? Uh? What? The goal third 2034. Huh? <laughs> you never heard of it? I never heard of it. Seriously. <laughs> No, so the MCCY in 2019, they mentioned um, that there was a goal 2034. La, then Bay Yam King said in parliament that that is the FAS goal, that is not a government goal. Then oh. there was some controversy and the FAS had to issue a public statement or saying that, oh, you know, it has to be a concerted effort. Like every sh- shareholder oh, yeah, needs, yeah, every yeah. stakeholder needs to needs to play a part. So we're all about the goals, Terrence. This, Come was, on. A, this was a year ago, a year ago. About a year yeah, ago, there was goals- a... Um, the MCCY and the FAS issued a joint statement saying yeah. asking stakeholders to support it as a national project. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, on the, the glass is half full uh, would be like, hey, shit, they spoke about it last March and now we're actually seeing this nat- national project come to life. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but the glass is half empty is like, Wow, like another goal th- 2034. So since 1998, goal 2010, I think in 2017, we were ranked 157th out of 175 countries. Yeah. That was our lowest ranking ever. Yeah. And it's it's almost like, wow, in 1998, I think Singapore football was still fucking dope, la, right? We won mm. the Malaysia Cup in 1994. We got kicked out, but we had like, S-League, I, it S-League was still started, like... Yeah. The S League started, and I remember I was member of Tampines Rovers fan club for the mm. first two years. And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, and everyone and was like, "You know, we don't need the Malaysia Cup. Yeah. We don't need because because and also Singapore all the players, all the national players who play in the Malaysia Cup also uh, ended up going to teams in the S League, Right? So you have like fun mm. about playing for Geylang and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, and he played till 1996, till 1997, 97 to 99, he was Singapore Armed Forces. So he was still playing in 1998. So it almost felt like the goal was achievable. Mm. Um, but right now, <laughs> I mean, the goal 2034, I think it's great to have goals, I guess. Mm. Um, like, uh, I, I will let, I, I will put in the show notes, wait, let me note this down, mm. um, uh, about this very interesting article about how Germany went from being kicked out of the world, uh, the Euros in 2000 very early on mm. and being seen as an absolute failure to become like world champions in 2012 yeah. or in the... Th- I mean, it was a very long project and mm. the it was mind-blowing in the sense that it did not happen overnight. Mm. Like literally, they went back to the drawing board. They invested a lot into um, improving the capabilities of talent scouts. They made sure to go to all uh, places of Germany and not just focusing on the cities. Mm. And... That's why you saw the string of like the Thomas Muller, the mm. the uh like what are the other that whole generation of fucking dope German footballers yeah. come out. They won the World because Cup, right? Yeah. They won the World Cup, yeah. yeah. They they there was it was a big investment into their capability mm. and they had a very long term goal and it worked wonders. La. So I think goals can be good, but from goal 2010 to goal 2034, it feels like, you know like how when you want to do any big project, like you want to renovate your house or you want to do this, mm. you have all these plans, yeah. right? And the plan sounds fucking good on paper. Yeah. But but sometimes maybe it's just to work on baby steps mm. and then gradually increase from there. Like. Or, um, or like what, what um, uh, I think uh, there's this book that uh, the, the writer of the, the comic Dilbert um, he wrote, mm. he says about motivation la, but what, what keeps him going it, it says it's not about setting goals because the moment you set goals you're living in a constant uh, state of failure because you're not at your mm. goal yet whereas you set up a system a system that you can mm. adhere to you know then then that's what that's what really like allows you to reach those goals la. 
Um, so mm-hmm. so for example, like saying, oh, I want to, uh, I target to lose ten kg by you know the end of three months. Every time you're not hitting that ten kg, you are in a state of failure. You're a failure. Yeah, you are a failure. <laughs> you wake up a failure every but day. But <laughs> if you if you set out a thing like, okay, I'm gonna from now on, I'm gonna I wake up and have put on the shoes next to my bed and then go straight running straight in the morning. And then when you when you set a system like that, and you do it over a number of days, you know, and then you see the you progressively see the amount of number number of times you're running consecutively, and it's, it becomes a system lah. And it becomes ingrained in you such that you don't feel like oh, oh if you skip one day you failed or anything like that lah. You know, mm, so, exactly, so, so yeah. It's, it's, and yeah, that's where that's where goals. I mean, as important as they are, and KPIs, and as important as they are, can be counterproductive to certain kind of pursuits. Are right. Yeah, and I mean that's a conflicting thing, right? Like, uh, I mean, I also am. A, I think you were the one who introduced me to that book by Scott Adams, mm-hmm. and it's fucking dope, lah. It's it's great. Um, and that that system versus goals thing has been quite a monumental shift in my own thinking over the past few years, lah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what you just said about how I think okay, Singapore, we have to give credit where credit is due, lah. Like mm-hmm. the way our country has developed, the way you see huge plans move into place you see like even the whole covid reaction the covid uh, countermeasures are all part of a, a bigger plan like that probably some point there was a group of people in the room said okay in one month we need to do this we need to do that and life is about planning mm-hmm. and i think because we have had a lot of success as a country in terms of planning these biggest infrastructure projects mm-hmm. or investment projects there is the belief that we can apply the same thing to something like soccer or football. Mm. But that's where I think it can be a little tricky. Or let's say the creative arts. Because if you invest X amount of money into something that's more tangible, like let's say raw materials or or just manpower to or, or architects, it almost feels like, okay, there, there's a building that is the end goal. Mm. That is a quantifiable thing. You can literally map out the process of going from no building to building and try and find efficiencies and scale that up. Mm. I'm This is the totally example of my ass. So any architects or construction uh, uh, experts out there, please pardon me. But for something like football or let's say creative arts, right? It's a lot harder to to break it down into a science. Mm. Uh, and that is my biggest concern here. Like, okay, there's this goal here. There's a lot of money being put. And I, I must also like, if you go to Edwin Tong's Facebook page, the, the, it seems like their measures they're taking are quite comprehensive across arts and heritage, across sports, across uh, culture. And you look at it, you're like, oh shit, that, that, you got to respect the, the intention. Mm. It's just what happens after that as well. Like, hmm, goal 2034. Who knows? Maybe in 15 years we, were, we on our podcast, we'd be like, you know what? 2021, <laughs> there was a goal. 2034, now it's 2035. We're 170th in the world's football rankings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, so, so it, it's, it's. I think you you raise a good point uh, that that maybe um, it, maybe it's just about not having the goal be this external tournament that honestly we have very little control over, and there are a lot of other factors that will determine um uh, whether your your country gets into the finals, lah, right? Because ultimately, mm-hmm. maybe your football improves, but everybody else's football also improves. Uh, more mm. or an equal measure, then you you kind of back in the same position. Then means does it mean that it was a failure, you know, or or maybe oh yeah that's true yeah or maybe even like mm. another event like COVID happens and you know that year's FIFA World Cup gets cancelled or it's again played in front of like zero fans. There's no atmosphere and things like that. So I mean, you're looking at the Premier League this year. The the results are all over the place, like right. It's just other than Manchester mm. City being very consistent, everyone else has been like. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Liverpool is like f- free-falling to like 8th or ninth position after being unstoppable. So, it's just one of those years that it's just like, you know, nobody's fault that that the team, that, you know, team play is inconsistent on that. So, yeah, and, and, and plus FIFA itself has so many controversies with like corruption and all these things also. Um, and they change, they can also change the eligibility rules for, for entry into into the competition things like that. So when you set goal 2034, like, you know, that is the sole thing that you're heading towards. Then like like Scott Adam says, like, maybe you're setting yourself up for failure. Like, uh, as in you're, you're, mm. you're in a constant state of failure, like, right? Um, yeah. Whereas, I mean, you know, if, if the goal was something about uh, getting more kids, you know, every year 
more and more higher proportion of kids, you know, completing that national curriculum or or, mm-hmm. or even like Singapore to to host how many um big football sporting events. Because I think anyone born after the nineties might not have realized that actually at one point of time like there was really like one sport that unified all of Singapore, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And there's football really like the way everyone spoke about football, the way that, you know, every team, uh, every game played in the Malaysia Cup or Malaysia League, uh, the M League, you know, um, was a very big deal. I remember, like, you know, that it would be what people talk about uh, in school, after school, and everyone would be, like, clamoring to, you know, take pictures or get autographs with the Singapore team. And, and we all knew, the, we knew the lyrics to the Singapore football team song. song. It was, it was, yeah, and then <laughs> I queued up to go and, was great. I queued up to go and buy the national, uh, national team t-shirt and stuff like that, you know. So, so it was yeah. like, there's this, there was this real buzz in the air every time we talked about football. Uh, but over the years, I think if you're born after 1990, you probably have only seen Singapore football in a, in, the, in a state of failure, uh, right? You, you, yeah, you, and I mean, yeah, like, like like last time, last time also like um yeah, I don't know, like I I okay because yeah, COVID has changed the dynamics a lot of things. But even pre COVID, you don't see that many people just playing soccer at an open space lah. Mm. Last time, like you walk around everywhere, also you just feel yeah, soccer was something that people didn't play for results. Yeah. You know, it was just a, a community. And I think the example you gave just now about maybe if the thing is okay, let's get more people playing soccer because. It's like anything like, like you it's a numbers game like the more people are playing soccer, the more talent will be unearthed mm. and the more they will get a chance to develop like, yeah. as opposed to putting a goal. Like, I can't imagine like I tell my girlfriend, in twenty thirty four, we're gonna go to Italy and we're gonna go to the Alps <laughs> and we're gonna have a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then like if some fucking thing happens, yeah. right? Every day I wake up and like, okay, I have uh, thirteen years to make <laughs> this like fucking round the world trip yeah. kind of thing. As opposed to just saying, Hey, you know, we'll just uh we'll just go to uh, a, a one one small trip every, every quarter yeah, or something yeah, every like that. Year, every year, every yeah. year, at least one small trip. Uh, okay, la, Then you know. And then if it builds up, yeah, yeah. if it builds up to Italy, boom, yeah. that happens. We have a tell her now. Yeah. Twenty thirty six, we will go to the moon. Yeah. Uh, when passenger travel is right. Twenty thirty eight, we go to Mars. Yeah. Oh, lahoy. You're setting yourself yeah. fail, so, for failure. La. But I mean, so, I mean, so the one maybe maybe that's what they need to. But but the thing is um. The thing is, twenty thirty four, right? All those people who set up this goal, they won't even be in office by then, really. Yeah. They <laughs> yeah, will retire by then. It's someone else's <laughs> problem, really. Yeah. yeah, and plans always sound good, right? Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna exercise every morning, going forward, starting January first for the next two months. Yeah, and then come March, how many people are still doing it, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so okay, the one redeeming thing is that. Uh, Mr. Minister Tong, he used to be the VP of FAS uh, mm. before he joined the, the government. I see. Which, okay lah, I think he does seem like um, he's had a history of sport. He's not just from some other industry then put into MCCY and mm. overlooking sports. And he also is quoted as saying that um, he will not consider Goal 2034 a success unless it results in tangible improvement in Singapore's football ecosystem. So mm. I guess from the leadership at least there's that lah. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not just about oh, twenty twenty four. We have to do this, blah 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 yeah. blah. Uh, but it's more about the entire ecosystem of football, right. which is the most important thing, lah. Yeah, and, and just to hark back to, to uh, a little bit of my personal experience and, and what you're saying earlier about the curriculum and it becoming a, a curriculum based thing, lah. I mean, I mean, on paper it sounds good, lah, right? But when you start mm. like. When you start having KPIs for primary school uh, teachers to meet, like, oh, you know, our school standard in football must be a certain level and things like that. Um, a bit like the whole meritocracy thing, like, right? You know, where like, mm. oh, you know, if you are not good enough, then you shouldn't be playing football. You should be playing something else. Um, that kind of mentality starts to creep in. Like. Uh, and mm. and I, I say that from, from my own personal experience because I think... Uh, when I was younger, I I I I was interested in sports. Like. I mean, I'm not the most definitely not built to play to play a lot of sports because you know I'm a bit more on the rotund side. But but I would I, I would uh, say I, I think I think McDonald's has a part to play in McDonald's that. McDonald's has a big part to play in that. <laughs> but I, I was actually in my primary school the football club. Like. I wasn't in like the team or that. Like. But primary school uh, I was in a football club for a while and I really enjoyed playing even against the much better players or that. Because I, I mean I had my strengths, like. I was you know, I had big size and complete defender and things like that, like, right? Mm, but mm. um the moment I entered secondary school, 
the first thing they did was to run us through tests, you know, standardized mm. tests. They called it a psychomoto mm. test. So they would mm. like make you do strange things like throw a short putt ball, sit down and throw a medicine ball, and like literally measure how how at, at when you were like twelve years old, how how far you could throw a ball and things like that, you know? Like before you you're even hitting your physical prime. And then based on that test, they would tear you whether, oh, you should play sports, oh, you shouldn't play sports, oh, you should just join uniform group, oh, you should just go and play music or whatever shit, you know? And 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 mm. and um as much as you can say, oh, if you really wanted to do it, you could have just done it. But I was like 12 years old. Lah. And you know, you believe in the wisdom of, of, of tests and everything in Singapore, right? So after I think for a very long time after that, I was just like, oh, yeah, lah, I, I guess I'm not cut out to make, to play sports and things like that. Lah. And so I, I think I spent a, a lot of my, my younger years on, on the sidelines, not playing more sports when actually I really wanted to. Lah. I mean, ultimately, you know, like, like uh, a lot, a lot of the, I, I ended up playing a lot of basketball, but I never played for with the club and thing but um i just played a lot of street basketball with people and all that and it was uh i mean i really enjoyed it but uh, i always had this mm. feeling like hey you know like oh i cannot play for the school things like that and it's it's very damning for a child a small child to to you know when they run these tests that are so black and white and so cut and dry and so in so little nuance so little science behind it or maybe there's some very pseudo science behind it it's it's um it's not very good for for the the culture of sports. I feel where where like yeah. like what you say like sports. I think all the way till you're seventeen or eighteen, you should be playing as many different sports as well and trying it out. You, you heard so many stories of like <clears throat> Steve Nash was a football player, before, like soccer player before he became a basketball player, and mm. eventually he became one of mm. the and I mean MVP back to back in the NBA. You know you know. So so there are a lot mm. of people who discover sports later. Roger Federer also was wasn't a tennis player until. Uh, later in his life as well for example yeah yeah. so, so that's, that's why I, I feel these KPIs yeah. especially when I see that always oh, being introduced at primary school level I'm like mm, that has a double edged sword yeah. to it can, can you imagine like when they are picking sides to play 4 on 4 like under Zamboide or something like hey what, what do you score on your fo- football theory you fail you fuck fail off, fuck you're not off. My team. I don't choose you I don't choose you're you no not my team <laughs> <laughs> now it's in your sing pass app you open up your sing pass app show me, yeah, yeah. Show me your footballing capability <laughs> Wow, that's shit. That's so. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. If it's a curriculum, it'll be in your fucking SingPass app. Yeah, man. Oh my god. That's why it's like <laughs> when you tell me standardized tests for this kind of thing, like, is that really more of what we need? Standardized tests for our young kids. <laughs> yeah, that's why I must scan uh, Like on your jersey, you got QR code. Yeah. Then the team captain can scan it. Like, hey, fuck you. You only got thirty four on your test. Uh. Yeah. You're not my team. Today you play defender or today you play goalie or something. <laughs> exactly. No, because like both both Terrence and I went to the same school and I don't know if you've said it before but we went to RI. La. Yep, correct, correct. Right. And I think RI at that point in time, 1997, I don't know about now but they, they had a very healthy record for sports. Right, uh, a lot of uh, gold medals and all that, and I always used to think it was in school, like they study so much, but they also good in sports, man. How is that possible? And I think one reason was because um, of this Tesla, which kind of draws on like your your how you say uh, your your natural tendencies, which by 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 and large, okay, you can start off with a bit more aptitude for this, but. I do feel that success in any craft or any skill, it can you, you can work at it like, and you can become good. Um, and I think, f- fortunately for me, like um, I took those tests and I got assigned hockey, which, mm. so I wanted to play soccer, but I wasn't the fastest player. Like, and I didn't get soccer first because to get into soccer, you had to get into rugby as well. And I wasn't a big guy. Like, mm. So I was kind of crushed that I couldn't play soccer. Mm. Um, of course, I ended up playing, for so- playing soccer because after... You then there was a it's not that clear cut it's a bit grey so I played soccer but I didn't play rugby because I had hockey mm. but I got assigned hockey and I was fucking sad mm. I, was like, I don't want to play hockey what is this fucking ball like ball and stick I don't I don't want to play football but thankfully hockey worked out well for me mm. um, but on the flip side uh, when we were playing soccer after two years the soccer as a sport got abolished in our school. Mm, yes, because I we to, were not that good. Yeah, I wanted to bring up that's the dark side of it, lah. That you think that oh, okay, yeah. it's good, lah. That the school like they make those people who are good at football concentrate on football, then those who are not good concentrate on studies. But the flip side of it yeah. is what what happens when the when the football team doesn't deliver? Tell them, Harish. Tell yeah. them. No, exactly. Like because we didn't even make it to the nationals because school like so- soccer every secondary school played it right. Yeah. So. 
uh, we didn't win, make it to the zone championships, and of course we didn't make it to the national championships. But I, like it was a fucking great time with my teammates. But in sec two, at the end, you're like, you know what? Um, okay, yeah, we are stopping soccer. Yeah, they, then we're like, huh? They literally just what cut soccer as a whole like activity. Yeah. Even though it was like the because most the s- played sport in in of everybody, yeah. like, everyone plays football, like, right? Yeah, because the sport wasn't bringing in the medals, and because the field was being shared with the rug- rugby players, and because yeah, because this, because this, because so they stopped the sport. What yeah. fuck? And it made zero sense because rugby, obviously, there's there's fewer schools that play rugby, so there's a higher chance of getting medals, uh. So they wanted yeah, to reserve the I'm- field for for I think the rugby CCA, like, right? Yeah, and I mean, probably there's some politics and all involved and all, but but it just felt like, well, I mean, I'm thankful that I still had hockey, so I still had that outlet. But I had definitely have some friends who were playing football and they had no outlet. And yeah. of course, people play football after school and all, but now looking back, it's like, oh shit, when you take it to the extreme, uh, mm. yeah, it might work out well for some people. I'm very thankful that I found hockey because it became a big part of my life. Mm. But at the same time, yeah, like, then what is the goal of sport? Is it results-oriented or is it just the experience of it like, and sport mm. rightly so like what Minister Tong said it is a sport that brings people together but yeah. then that should be the goal like, as opposed yeah. to or even just yeah, even just okay. building you know playing with people team building chemistry with people for social reasons uh, right you know I think I think playing yeah. sport really helps uh, kids learn a lot of things in life like, about sharing and, about you know like you know doing good as a team and things like that so and it's really I mean just to really just put the goal about you know about winning a medal or like reaching the World Cup you know is 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 a double edged sword it's a really double edged sword really yeah yeah and I mean over as we've grown up I've realized that it's playing soccer with strangers right is a great way to gauge their character no oh really Why? like how someone plays on a football field right yeah it's 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 very reflective of their character in real life mm. and I found it to be true on so many occasions. And I've actually finished playing with someone for the first time and realized like, okay, I don't think I'm going to click with this guy. Oh, and later it? on, yeah, there's some, there's some, yeah, it, because you think about it, like if you play football, like, uh, okay, are you a hogger of the ball? Do you not mm. pass? Are you always just like, fucking want to shoot, want to shoot? Or like shouting at your teammates, you know? It, to me, it's a very strong reflective mm. reflection of your character, especially if you're tired. La. True, true. You know, true. you're tired on the field, you know? Right, right. Uh, so but, yeah, but so also, there's so many things about sport. But depends on when who you're playing with also. La. When I play with normal people, I, I usually play like the defender who just clear the ball. But when I go for my, last time my army remedial training, I become like fucking Messi. You know? <laughs> I, like, I become, I just dribble past everybody and score like non-stop. La. And I fucking loved it and enjoyed it. If anyone thought I was an asshole back then, no, it's just that I was just living up my dream. And then everyone no, else you was can, like, damn unfit. Like, yeah. You can do that without being an asshole. <laughs> I'm saying like, uh, you like you like if you're an asshole on the pitch, which means you're not nice. Yeah. Like I have some friends who like, they dribble, they hog the ball, but they are great people because they do it in jest, almost like taking the mickey out of it or we all mm. give them shit for it and they yeah. acknowledge. The worst are the assholes. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The assholes on the pitch are assholes in life. Yeah, yeah. Or those who like, like foul you even when you're just playing like friendly games and all right yeah yeah exactly it's true um yeah so i would say anyone listening you think about the people that you play football with how how their characters on the pitch match their characters off the pitch Mm -hmm. and i think it will be quite illuminating quite illuminating yeah 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 Yeah. interesting yeah hopefully Interesting, huh? Oh, you know the cool thing? Yeah, what? The, 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 cool, the, cool, the cool thing, people have pointed out that our podcast is kind of like a time capsule, right? Yeah. So maybe in 2034, I'll as our national up. captain is lifting up the World Cup, he will pull this up and we'll look at his two motherfuckers, yeah. all right? Just never, shitting on our plans, talking about this yeah, goal. Never believed. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah, these two losers who took so, yeah. their experience, their experience yeah. in school and then extrapolated yeah. it to 2034. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, so all they, short-sighted. You know, just... Naysayers. No, but, but we, say yes, I think we, we are, just to be very clear, we're not negative. We we totally want Singapore football to be like what it was yeah. again in the 90s. I tell you, like, that stuff brought family together like nothing ever, you know, like watching football with your family and all that. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, family, even like the whole the whole of Singapore will be like, hey, fuck, on Saturday night, then you're like, oh shit, you know, playing Kada or playing yeah. Penang or Pang or something. Wow, yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. shook. Shook. Yeah. Shook. But yeah. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think about um about this all these new initiatives. It's a mm, yeah, it's mm, a mm. it's a I th- that's the reason it became a bit a bit of a bigger discussion for us because we wanted to look at what 
what has actually been done in the past and compared to what they're actually saying now, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. In fact, before we started the podcast, we were like, hey, is there enough to talk about, about this? Yeah. But holy shit, actually, there it is. is. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But that brings cool. us to the next topic as well. <laughs> this yeah. topic? I, t- I want to leave it to I know, you like- to, to bring it up because it is. I know it's close to your heart now. Uh, I mean, it's just this article that came out on Asia One yeah. that highlights uh, a recent video series uh, about ca- casual racism. Mm. And it is done by the Singapore News Network. I don't know what they are, Singapore News Network. S-N-N. But they were just, yeah, they were just talking about, um, how you say, uh, talking to minorities about their experience with casual racism uh, and if you're listening and not aware of the term casual racism, uh, I assume you do, but it's basically these microaggressions which are not like, okay, punching you in the face, but it's just like asking you like, uh, oh, you know, uh, no, like, oh, oh it's like let's say you go on a bus and then someone covers their nose and turns away or something. Uh, those are the kind of microaggressions that I referred to. Mm. Um, but why I thought this was just interesting to talk about uh, was because the video series, they interview a whole bunch of different people. Yes. One of the people they interview is Viswa. Viswa Sadasivan. Viswa Sadasivan. So, um, I mean, I guess if I was watching his video, he talks about casual racism, about stereotypes, about how sometimes, you know, when he was younger, being called dark skin, he took offense. Mm. But after that, he realized it's just a term and we shouldn't be um, offended about terms. We should think about the society we want to live in. And all so, But it's just... Given the context, I don't know when this was recorded, mm. um, but for me, yeah, casual racism but it was is just a released. Like, it was just released a few days ago. Yeah, on March second, yeah. yeah. So just hearing him talk about this, I don't know. I can't. I can't look at him the same way anymore. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so I just thought that was an interesting dynamic because in the world of people, you know, having their skeletons all aired in public, uh, is it ever? I mean, yeah, the, the whole path to redemption thing, it's, well, it's it's tricky, man. Because now I'm looking at him and everything he says, I'm like, okay, uh, I'll just play the video in the background, as in with no volume. Yeah. And if I see something, I'll call it out. But but, but yeah, it, it was just weird to watch. La. But but what are your thoughts on it? La? Yeah, because the I think he says something that is probably quite counterintuitive to a lot of discussions about casual racism. Um. Yeah, I mean, literally, the title of the video, it may not all be altogether bad to have stereotypes, which is essentially what yeah. casual racism is about, right? Um, mm. where, where people generally stereotype a race or something like that. So uh, maybe going against the grain a little bit, Vishwa is saying literally, um, I mean, he, he makes a justification of why we should be able to laugh at some of these things because because um, it does ring true to some extent, lah. So, mm. I mean, I, of course, this might be a slightly different uh, example from, you know, misogyny or, or feminism and stuff like that, like, right? But but there's a, yeah. he says, oh, we, we, let's not get defensive about it and all that, like, right? Um, mm. Which is, given the context of what what the whole shebang is with uh, with Sharul and, and, and Vishra is that, you know, he made, he made uh, a comment which he claims is not sexual. It may have been inappropriate, but it's not sexual harassment la, because of his mm. intent. La. And I think we've, we've discussed this in quite a couple of episodes and all. La. So, okay, but I mean, I guess it, it kind of also highlights that, okay, maybe his, his view about this is pretty consistent, la, whether it's about male versus female relations uh, or whether it's about uh, racial relations as well. La. That, that people mm. can be too sensitive about certain terms that are uh, are just uh, stereotypes that sort of uh, help to help to break the ice between between people and, and and to start really talking more friendly more friendly in more friendly ways to each other like, and people shouldn't be so sensitive about it of course of course this is ignoring the larger context of of him also sending sending a text to people who are trying to reach him professionally about wanting what uh demanding kisses from them and stuff like that la. that I think mm. is that I think is uh completely separate I mean, I'm trying trying to look at it as a completely separate matter and I'm just trying yeah, to look at yeah. the context of his apology that he wrote uh, on his Facebook page and everything la. 
Yeah. Mm. But but I guess yeah, like um, in in the video he does say certain things like society is becoming so politically correct that we keep imputing value which is negative. Yeah. And he was saying that yeah, you know, like when growing up, people called him uh, mama uh, or like I mean the term mama it actually means uncle. So when it becomes a mama shop, you call someone mama is not derogatory and it's just uh, it's not racism lah. So so I guess I mean. There, there are there is a point he's making there which yeah I mean I I wouldn't immediately say oh that's fucking bullcrap but it's just weird hearing it from him <laughs> yeah, correct, yeah correct. so so yeah so uh and he does say you know like um what is, society has become too hypersensitive about what is acceptable and what is not what is okay for majority and what is not okay for the minority whether it's gender whether it's race whether it's religion I think we should slowly ask ourselves some basic questions what kind of society do we want to be part of. So watching that, I'm like, hmm, okay. Um, I feel like his own uh, issue, uh, he hasn't kind of. It's almost like he just swept it under the carpet. Yeah. Um, and and do that lah. So and and yeah, I guess because also yesterday was International Women's Day, right? Mm, correct, correct. Yeah. So so one, I saw one screenshot uh, or one tweet by um this guy called Stephen Lim or something. And it was funny because it was the front page of the Straight Times, lah. Mm, mm. Uh, kind of talking about International Women's Day, mm. and the headline article was "Male Feminists and Proud of It." <laughs> and there were three dudes. <laughs> Male feminists, so, and proud of it. So, okay. So his tweet was happy, you know, International Women's Day to all the women who couldn't make it to the cover of the Straight Times special coverage of International Women's Day. Mm. So it was just, and I bring it up because, like, just looking at Viswa's video, it's like. It feels like what happened to him, the fact that he hasn't really closed the loop on that, the fact that he's saying this, granted it may have been recorded way before, mm. but you know how people can say one thing, but then if it doesn't change the the deep down beliefs, does it really do anything? And for Straight Times, this article, you can imagine like in silos, like people were like, okay, let's do this, let's do this. Let's do this. But on International Women's Day, the biggest article on the front page of life is literally three dudes talking about how proud they are to be feminists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, I, there, there is, uh, it's, it's not, um, it's not unheard of that, that there are male feminists around. I think I, I've, I've had a chance to finish listening to the Aware uh, Saga podcast mm. and I, you know, I felt that, oh, it was a, it was a very good podcast. Lah. And there are a mm. lot of men who also feature in there such as the Siu Kam Hong who, you know, the lawyer and XNMP who helped them uh, who gave them yeah, a lot of yeah. advice during the case and all that. So they were interviewed too and, and they had their time. Lah. But um, yeah, generally, you know, International Women's Day, I guess you want to, to, to as Ooh. much as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, it's the, the brief isn't that hard lah, to, to try and feature. Can you imagine if, if like there's an article on like how people celebrate Deepavali and it's your face there, I'll be like, yo, what the fuck is that, man? Hey, multicultural. You know, how, Singapore's how, multicultural. Yeah, how, sensitive, huh? yeah, how Terence Chai and his family celebrated Deepavali and that article comes out the day before Deepavali. I'm like, okay, yeah. uh, that's cool. It doesn't need to be on the front page. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you should, I, yeah. I think I encourage everyone to go also go and watch that 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 video that has Vishwa in it. Which we will put in the notes. Yeah, because yeah. he talks about, uh, yeah, why, you know, is when you call someone mama, is it really offensive lah, you know? Because, Mama mm. means uncle and it's how we used to address people in provision shops, the Indians who ran provision shops. And then Bai also means brother, you know, so is it really offensive when, when someone uses that? Lah? But I think... Which yeah, we, had, which is an interesting topic for discussion. Yeah, we've, right? we've had it that discussion ourselves, discussion. right? About Ane yeah. and, and, yeah. and uh. Tambi and all that as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it's... I think it's interesting to watch a video like this and think about how it applies in the realm of um, you know, male female relations and things like that as well, right? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. correct. Uh, that's why it's a correct. Uh, I mean, maybe there's there's less to discuss, but more for everyone to reflect and just and given as International Women's, I mean, Singapore is Women's Year in Singapore, right? We can think yeah. a little bit about it, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That brings us to the final the, segment, which is the one one shock thing. And what, what is, is what your one shock thing? You can go first. Well, actually, my one shock thing uh, is is actually the because I I know that um certain topics that we talk about on our podcast are not always the gangbusters like you know everyone gets riled up and 
and like sh- and, and and skewers us for not doing our research properly or anything like that, lah, right? Some of the mm. topics are like, for example, when we talked about the substation and the, the state of the arts in Singapore, I think we were very open in our that we don't know a lot about the substation. We don't feel mm. uh, that strong an affinity for the substation. Um, but that's why I, I think it's very interesting on our, on our Reddit when some people can come on and be very honest. Some of our listeners can come on and be very honest about what they really feel about some of these topics that we're talking about. Lah. Um, and mm. so on the Reddit post for our discussion about substation, there wasn't really much activity. Uh, but a day ago, um, one of our listeners, Huti, wrote a very yeah. impassioned message, like, I think, on about what the substation means to him or her, like, you know. And, and you know, Harish and I, we, we really speak as complete noobs about the substation. Like, but but this Huti basically saying that he or she is very proud to be part of the local film community and the substation was a vital part of their, their upbringing. Like, and so... Since the whole news broke up a few weeks ago, they've been this person has been grieving privately at a huge loss, and 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 you know more and more people are coming forward with photos, anecdotes, and reflections on what the place means to them, like, And there's a collective grief that is gripping everyone together. Um, so they have no idea what happened next, but they, but this announcement gives them gives the community an opportunity to grieve together, and and you know um. That, and she's very glad that at least with this announcement that she's been given this opportunity to to also commiserate with other people who love the substation. Uh. So oh. uh, I felt quite touched by this and, and um, also that I, I'm, I'm very uh, proud that, that in some way that maybe our podcast also helps in that process. Uh, and it's, it's a place for someone to... The grieving process. Uh, uh. To put their thoughts down about certain things and all. And, and like what we just mentioned earlier about time capsule thing is... It's true, lah. You know, this this is what the podcast can be for for people as well. So essentially, my one show thing is 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 that lah. Like uh, that you know, we we talk about things, we laugh about things, we debate about things, but also we can be a space for to help people get over uh, grief and loss and and different things like that as well, lah. So so I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, am I just saying that our one show thing is ourselves, our podcast? Uh, kind of like <laughs> kind of yes. No, no, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm trying. Okay, then, like, I'm just highlighting this this message, like, Because this message, it's re- a message, like, it's a comment, yeah, it's like, a comment, comment like, Then we realize, hey, actually, it's true, like, You know, like, like we might be talking very dispassionate, uh, like, basically, we're we're not so infused with the same level of passion when we talk about the substation, but it could mean a lot more to to some people, and 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 mm. uh, that's why I, I would I never dismiss any topic as like too trivial for. For to put up for discussion, lah, right? Are you hugging yourself right now? No, lah, yeah, lah. No, lah, I'm not, I'm not. But <laughs> I just, I just getting a bit self aware that eh, where I'm less like, like getting higher. No, no, it's the, comment, it's the comment. It's the comment. It's the comment, lah. It's, it's, it's a good comment. 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 Thank you, yeah. so thank you, Huti, for opening up for everyone. It's not just, it's not just me, but everyone on the podcast also, lah. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Uh, my, my one shock thing was uh, a podcast I listened to two days ago that I remember earmarking for. Okay, that would be my one shock thing for the next podcast because mm. off the back of that, that podcast episode where we did talking about the pastor and the comments that came in, um, I was just looking for an interesting podcast to listen to and I realized I had not listened to NPR's Hidden Brain for a while, mm. uh, which is essentially a series where they do like episodes of 40 to 50 minutes and that goes deep into a specific topic from an interesting perspective. Like. So there was one topic, uh, one episode called Creating God and it was actually a re-upload of a 2018 episode they uploaded with social psychologist Azim Sharif mm. and basically talking about how religion, if you look at it as evolutionary as opposed to just a, oh, it's a social construct, yes, but if you look at it from the evolutionary point of view, it's actually quite illuminating mm. and it's actually quite something that was critical for our evolution as a civilization. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and I mean, one example he gave is that for the longest time, I think humans were living in groups for like of like 75 to 100 or 150. I think that, that was the optimal size. And beyond that, right, um, groups were hard to form and hard to maintain because trust was an issue. Mm, mm, mm. You, If you come from a different tribe or a different group, how do you know this person is not someone out to kill you or something? So, so religions 
that move from uh, just having gods of a certain place, you know, because certain certain uh, hunter-gatherer tribes that still exist today, they, they have religions, but it's very focused on like uh, the god of this tree has a spirit, this dad has a spirit, mm. and it's all very localized. The moment these religions became like all-encompassing uh, and the whole concept of God-fearing religions where it's punitive, right? Where people can be punished for bad deeds. That allowed groups of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to kind of have shared beliefs. Mm. It's almost like a, it's like a trace together, mm. you know, for your trust, yeah. right? So along the Silk Road and all that, if you were walking and you saw someone of the same religion, you can be a bit more trustworthy of that person. So he just talks about how, okay, if he applies the rules of Darwinism, the rules by Charles Darwin, uh, evolutionary or species to religion, right? You actually start seeing these kind of similar trends, which was fucking interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, so, I love the topic. And, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was damn, it's, it, just, it just makes you think about religion in a very different way. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I, I remember that podcast I, and I loved it because uh, the evolutionary theory of um, of of anything like of psychology there was something that I, I I studied quite extensively in school, and uh, oh, mm. no, I mean just taking a class and everything. But it was very interesting. It's just basically you ask yourself for anything that exists today, like, right? Like, was there is there an evolutionary reason why it carried on, like, uh, For example, like why do why do men have nipples? You know, for example, like is mm. there, there, there's no. Do you know? Um, no, I saw, I saw it's something about that, that in the development of the of the body in the as an embryo and everything. The the development of nipples is very important in 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 women, lah, right? Um, mm. but the moment it's it's realized that oh, it's a boy, it's a man, and everything, then you sort of just stop the development there, lah. And so the vestige, the the leftover, the leftover, um, whatever is left over uh, until that point of development is just left there, lah. Which is the the male nipple? Like. Oh shit! Really? So so ge- that's how nipples are formed. No, so generally that's, that's why nipples are that's there. The theory is that because the nipples are such an essential part for of development for for a uh, a woman for, for the subsistence of the next generation and all. So in general, they're just developed in the embryo until a certain point where all the you know your your DNA and, and genetics all really kick in. Then it's oh, it's a boy. Okay, forget the nipple. Forget 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 developing the nipples further. <laughs> oh, Let's just cut it. Really? Yeah. And so the nipples just so stay on. Like a- you know. <laughs> But so men's nipples are like the the goal twenty ten lah. Kind of you know, like there yeah, was a plan, yeah, yeah, just and then they realize, oh fuck, we're not gonna make yeah, it. Not gonna <laughs> it. Yeah, and and it's just left there. There's no need to remove it, uh, because it doesn't. It's not of any real detriment to the to the to the person lah, right? So so generally, mm. that's why it's still left there lah. So so interesting things like that when you apply evolutionary theory, which makes you ask about what is the ultimate reason that this thing has survived all these years? Like, you can think about as small things like your male nipple or you can think about even larger social societal structures like religion. Like, what is it that has allowed it to endure all these years? Like, like for religion, it's like, wouldn't your brain at some point just evolve to tell you that, hey, you know, you shouldn't believe in in uh, something that isn't there and all that. How come we still believe so much in superstitions and all these things? Uh? And, and what? Yeah. yeah, so the evolutionary theory just uh, makes you ask those questions of everything in life. Oh? So it's a very interesting topic. Uh. And just well, what I happens... Think you just uh, open up a can of worms for yourselves, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah of course, of course. Because there's going to be... Uh, <laughs> uh, there, there's, it's a very controversial topic. So, yeah, even in school, that, that, that particular course was called The Evolution of Sex. It was meant to be very controversial. It was meant to challenge a lot of perceptions about what you thought were right or not right and, and things like that. And the professor was also, in, in, because of that, you know, the topics that he talked about were quite controversial. La. And he always made a mm. point that just because I say that, just because this is the way things are now does not mean it's the way it sh- things should be. For example, you know, uh, if, if, you know, if, if like, um, if over the years we've we've tried to, and you know we tried to say that rape is such a bad thing, or you know, that why, why do men still have this like strong tendency to, to commit rape la, and all that, and and it, mm. is it is it a, is it evolutionary theory is that can evolutionary theory be applied in this case to understand why men behave like that? But just because we are trying to understand why men behave like that, does not mean we're advocating that men behave like that la. So that's that's the, always the mm. that's always what the the context they have to set. 
but yeah, but I, the last I heard that professor also ended up getting fired from the school because he had some sexual harassment issues and stuff like that. Nah. Oh shit! <laughs> what the fuck? So, so yeah, ah, so, so studying about human behavior doesn't necessarily make you behave better. Also, nah. yeah. Yeah, now it's almost like like people are just like food, lah. You enjoy them while they are okay. Then once they expire, you just move on, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just move on. But that yeah, podcast, you hear yeah. something smart from someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that you, you have heard that podcast before. I've heard like, it like twice. Maybe good, it's yeah. really, it's really, really, really good. Uh, yeah, uh, it's dope. Yep. Cool, man. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So, um, I mean, just go looking forward. We will have a guest later this week, right? So yes. it's going to be interesting. Uh, we'll probably announce yeah. it on our Reddit who the guest is, and maybe if you have questions, you can shoot it over to us as well, uh. Oh yes, yeah, correct. This Thursday we'll be recording it. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Cool. All right. Peace. <laughs>